Becky Gannon, and this is Mad About Miniatures. My guest this week is Gina Thiesfield, miniaturist, auction house co-owner, TV personality, and belly dancer. You can find her on Instagram at calico underscore garden. Let's go talk to Gina. Hello, Gina. It's so good to talk to you. Well, hello. I am so excited to be chatting with you today. I've been looking forward to this. Now, usually, Gina, one of the first questions I ask is how you got into dollhousing. But after talking to you a little earlier, I have to ask you first what you did for, was it 18, 20 years? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) For 25 years, I was a professional belly dancer. Well, that is very interesting and not what people usually say they do. Oh, totally normal, right? Yeah, I um, I taught belly dance. I had two huge belly dance festivals in the Midwest. I uh, had my own belly dance studio. Yeah, it's totally normal, like normal people do. <laughs> I think it's just fascinating. <laughs> so what made you, at some point, you just decided to move on? Or do you still belly dance a little bit? No, I retired six years ago and just quit cold turkey. Six years ago, my husband and I inherited a family business that we all started together as a family, but his mom had retired six years ago. So Bill and I took full control of it, and it is an auction house. So we are auctioneers and uh, own one of Wisconsin's largest auction houses. I feel like maybe if you were like auctioneer and belly dancing performances, that might get... I think that the crowds would be out of control. Yeah. Yes. If you ever have a little crowd problem, I think that would solve it. Yeah. A little shimmy and like next up we have you. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's a fascinating business too. So what kind of things do you auction off? We see a lot of really cool things. We specialize in antiques, smalls and collectibles, stuff that you see on TV shows like Antique Roadshow kind of things. But right now, our hottest selling items are are toys, toys from the, well, it doesn't really even matter when they're from, but mostly toys from the 80s era, 70s, 80s and 90s are really hot because a lot of these people who are my age are buying back their memories. You do see some miniatures, right? We do. And for a long time, when people would bring in miniatures, I would put them in lots. You know, some items will sell on their own, but some items will be lotted together. And I would make the lots that I would like to bid on personally. And and as an auctioneer, we are allowed to bid on stuff. We just have to let people know we are bidding and we legit pay for it and everything like that. No one else in the audience collected dollhouse miniatures. So I would get them at really great prices. But all of a sudden, oh, I don't know why. I have a lot of dollhouse collectors coming into my audience now. And I would bid crazy on lots, you know, hundreds of dollars and stuff. And I still won't win them. Wow. It's kind of bittersweet for me, but at least they're going to really great homes. And that's the most important part. And the sellers are happy because they're making great money. I'm betting you still have a pretty nice little collection. I have what you call a hoarder collection. (laughs) (laughs) I have what you call too much. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm guessing that, you know, it's okay that you don't make all the bids, that you don't get all the lots. But like, I feel like the he who dies or she who dies with the most dollhouse collectibles wins. I feel like that's the goal. Oh, are you saying that's in doubt? I feel like I need more. (laughs) You know, it is 
It is kind of a sickness in a way. Well, not a sickness, but a, a little bit of an addiction. It's like the more I buy, the more I want. Yes, it's so bad. And a lot of stuff that I have, I don't even need. And when I look at my collection, I don't even like a lot of it. I just need to have it all. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. I have pinpointed my issue. My issue is all of my dollhouses or room boxes are not finished. So I don't know what I will potentially need. So I don't want to get rid of anything until I finish my rooms. Of course not. What if you suddenly need a, a one-inch alien in, you know, chartreuse and nothing else will do? Exactly. But I get I got rid of it a month ago. Oh, and that actually happened to me. I had made a stone jug out of earthenware, you know, like I was throwing pot, little pottery. And I'm terrible at throwing pottery, but I finally made one that was amazing. It just looked amazing. And I sold it. And now I'm like, but I need that for my farmhouse kitchen. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's not like anyone else sells little tiny earthenware pottery. <laughs> right. So I'm just going to pout about it, I guess. <laughs> I guess. That's pretty funny. It would be hard, though. I have a good friend who owns a vintage shop. It's mostly clothes, but because she goes out and looks for things, she finds all kinds of things. You know, she has miniatures herself, so she just is like, I just find too much, you know? Is there really such a thing as too much? I mean... <laughs> To me, it's the size of my house. And, you know, now that my two kids are gone, what should I put in their rooms? I think clearly a tiny miniature museum. It makes sense to me. The exercise bike is somewhere else. So, <laughs> you know, I'm good. <laughs> exercise, exercise. You know, I need room for my miniatures. I I'm not going to judge you on that. I guess once I fill that up, I might have to, you know, have a little reckoning with my husband or something. We'll cross that bridge when the time comes, but right now is not the time. Now is not the time to worry about that. No. So you also work for American Miniatures Magazine, right? I do, yes. The American Miniatures Magazine and Dollhouse Miniatures Magazine, based out of the UK, and also Minnesota is our home office. Oh, okay. Well, you're in the US, though, right? Yes, the US, yeah. It's kind of funny how you got this job. Oh, my goodness. It was the height of COVID. Uh, the pandemic, we were shut down. My business had to shut down. And the editor to American Miniaturist Magazine had just contacted me out of the blue. And she's like, you know what? I forgot how much I loved your page. And I forgot how much I love your description of the stuff on Instagram. There is a position that we're creating and was wondering if you would like to do it. I was like, sure, you know, like I have nothing better going on. It's COVID. And she's like, it's a social media kind of thing. We don't really have it all sorted out yet, but I'm going to have you talk to um, the publisher in the US and the UK. And so I'm sitting here thinking it was a job interview. So it was over Zoom, took off my pajamas finally and did my hair. <laughs> and I'm sitting here talking. And the further I get into this conversation with them, I realize they're telling me how this job is not only going to work, but I basically had the job. Thank goodness to the editor for American Miniatures Magazine. Like she got me the job and that was amazing. And because it was a new position, we're all just learning together. It took me a little bit to settle into my role because I wasn't sure what they wanted, but it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. I love it. I love promoting all of the other miniaturists in our community, finding people and sending them over to our editor to hopefully be considered to grace our pages of our magazine. It's been 
so great. I just absolutely adore it. And I just can't believe that the universe handed me this great job. And so nice to get it during COVID when many of us had a lot of our normal businesses or activities or life shut down and found ourselves with really not that much to do. Exactly. Exactly. It took my husband a good two or three weeks to just settle down. He did not know what to do with himself. And I was just like, stop, let's make miniatures. My husband's also a miniaturist. He's an amazing miniaturist. And so we took the time and we created our dream deck. And it was like this four level deck uh, with all these detachable parts, a working jacuzzi. I mean, it had so much going on and it was gorgeous and beautiful. And then that dream deck ended up in the pages of Dollhouse Miniature Magazine UK. It was crazy. That's so nice. Now, how do you do a working jacuzzi? It's run by a fish pump. That's how the bubbles are created. Yes, you just plug it in and it has bubbles. So it's kind of cool. And what else is on the deck? We created our own deck furniture, like a four-piece patio set, one of those fire pit tables so they, that our minis can roast s'mores. And it was just decorated with plants, and it was just a nice little getaway. One day we'll have a deck like that, one day. <laughs> so you built that, and does he do a lot of the carpentry? Yeah, he's one of these crazy, precise people, he will measure a real item and then shrink it down one twelfth and do all the math. And I mean, my brain doesn't work that way. My brain is an eyeball. I'll eyeball it and see if my doll fits in this scenario. But he needs to be absolutely exact when he builds anything. So I love the juxtaposition of us together. So he'll basically construct and then I will decorate. We're a great team. That's perfect. Yes, I am a really awesome eyeballer. <laughs> That's my strength, too. Oh, that's amazing. What else? Have you, have you built anything else together? Yes, we built a bakery, Honeybee Bakery, which is the bakery in my Instagram pages. So that was really exciting. One of my dolls on my Instagram, his name is Andrew. He constructs a lot of stuff, a lot of furniture, and basically whatever you need him to build, he will build it for you. So he takes on kind of the personality of my husband, just in the fact that he is a builder and he's really great at it. And uh, yeah, we built the bakery, which was wonderful. I love this little thing. It's a great staging room for a lot of my baked goods that I make. So is Olivia partly you? Uh, no, not really. No. I mean, we have a similar birthday, but otherwise she's her own little girl. She's wonderful. <laughs> I don't think she's me at all. Okay. So you have this running story with this cast of characters, Olivia and Andrew and Hattie. So can you just give our listeners a little summary of what goes on in the Honey Bee Bakery story? So Olivia came first. She was my first doll in my dollhouse world. She is a, I think it's pronounced Zakayumi. I'm not sure, but she's from Poland. And so Olivia is actually from Poland and she moved to Kennebunkport, Maine. Um, and she started baking and, you know, all this stuff. And she ended up meeting her boyfriend, Andrew, because the house next door to her the house she was renting was vacant. And all of a sudden, this handsome guy shows up. As it turns out, the house next door belonged to Andrew's grandmother who passed away. So he came to try to do some renovations on it. And that's how they met. Oh my gosh, I can go on forever. What amazes me is when I asked if you'd done any creative writing or storytelling before, you said no. But all this backstory, I mean, you know, it's very well developed. You know what I noticed that when I'm whenever I'm writing these little vignettes and when I put them out on Instagram and I get messages from people who follow the storyline, I notice my physical self smiling. I love that other people love these dolls and their storylines and they're invested. And when they comment, that makes me so happy. 
that it's making them so happy. So, I mean, it's just, it's such a great source of joy. It really is. I couldn't agree more. I just started with my house, but now I sometimes put my little dogs out. Yeah, I love them. They're so cute. And I have a mini Ziggy and a real Ziggy. And I remember when I was designing the graphic for Mad About Miniatures, I didn't have Ziggy on the first one. And people were actually kind of mad at me about that. But I was so touched that they cared that much. You know, of course Ziggy has to be on it. I'm like, oh, you're totally right. I I don't know how I overlooked that. So now, of course, Ziggy is on that. And he's uh, actually the executive producer of Mad About Miniatures. Goodness, look at this. Moving on up. (laughs) Well, we found he was more of a big picture guy. He's not much of a worker bee, Gina. I see. Yeah. Work ethics down the drain. I know. He's more like, uh, you know, here's my vision, now you go execute it kind of guy. (laughs) You know, and we had to get him a little assistant kitten to bring him snacks and everything. But it's so fun when people kind of buy into your silliness and remember it, and it brings them joy Mm -hmm. too, I hope. I hope so. And these days, it's anywhere you can find your spark of joy, just go with it. And I don't care how silly it is, just go with it. In the Honeybee Bakery, there's some beautiful baked goods. Do you make all that out of clay? I do. You know, you don't know that you can do things until you try it. I had no idea that I could work with clay. Never worked with clay before. 2016, I just fell into a rabbit hole with um, YouTube videos and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to try it. Now, granted, my 2016 work were terrible, but I thought it was fun. I thought the process was fun. Shading is my jam. Like watching your creations come to life once you add shading to it. I'm just like, yes. I was looking at some of your baked goods before we talked, and there's a picture of your blueberry pies with stars. And the color of the crust, I mean, it's the color I always try to get my real crust and can't. Thank you. I don't think that I'm the best. There are so many other artists that I just bow down to, and I don't think I will ever get as good as them. But I enjoy the process. And to me, I don't have a lot of patience for people, but I have all the patience in the world for miniatures so I can sit and make tiny things all day long. Now that's so interesting you say that because my friend Wendy I'm always trying to get her to get into miniatures and she always says her hands are too big and I'm like it's not about your fine motor skills or your hands it's about your patience. Yeah it really is and it's my form of meditation it's my zen I can just sit and just do tiny things and I'm just happy. Well, I think it's just enough to think about that it drowns out all the negative things to think about. My mind is a mile a minute on any given moment. Put on my music and just sit in my little desk and nothing else matters. I think that's one of the great things about it. Oh, and that being said about, you know, hands and bimotor skills, I do have super tiny hands. So maybe that does help. What about you? People have referred to my hands as doll hands. I don't like to take pictures of stuff in my hands because I have, when you look at doll hands, they have like the little dimples on the back of their hands where knuckles should go. Yes. That's my hands. They're little, chunky doll hands. (laughs) We're going to have to exchange hand pictures because I'm rather (laughs) tall. I'm not super tall, but I'm like 5'7". And I have the tiniest little hands. Huh, you know, oh, here's something interesting. You don't know about this. I did a stint for several years where I oiled professional bodybuilders. What? For like the Arnold Classic. And I would always tell people, it's because I have tiny hands. I can get into all those crevices. (laughs) I didn't realize there were so many career opportunities for my tiny hands. My gosh, yes, you should look into this. Uh, Oiling up bodybuilders was a 
fabulous time in my life. <laughs> this is an actual job. This was an actual job. And I they, they called me up every year whenever the Arnold Classics would come in and me and my girlfriend would suit. I mean, it's a hard job. It really is. I'm not even being uh, mm. silly about it. It is grueling. It is all day long. So it's it's a lot of hard work. But I mean, how many times do people get to say that they oil builders on a professional level? Never. <laughs> and while I'm trying to sympathize with the hard work. I know. It really is hard. Work. I'm having a little difficulty. I just am. <laughs> I should pop one of those pictures up on, on Instagram one day. That was, a, that was another lifetime ago, but that was a lot of fun. We should. So are there any other really cool, crazy jobs you've had that I should ask about? I was on TV last year. Now we talked and you said it was kind of like Antique Roadshow. So here's my proud mom plug. My kid interned on Antique Roadshow. Oh my gosh. He did. He interned there for part of the school year, I believe, and uh, told me all the crazy stories about the fun things they did. And this show is not Antique Roadshow, but tell us a little bit about it. It's got a similar premise. This show is called What's It Worth with Jeff Foxworthy was the host and it aired on A&E cable and the way it was supposed to be filmed. This was two years in the in the works before we actually went to filming. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes on in TV land. But the way it was supposed to work was people would bring us stuff and then I would evaluate it and give you information about it. And then the last half of the TV show, all of those items that we evaluated throughout the first half would go up for auction and the world can bid on it. That's how it was supposed to work. So that's a little bit of a twist because in Antique Roadshow, they often just want to know what grandma's, you know, vase is worth or something. They don't really sell it. That was a little twist. And we thought that this was going to be fabulous. But then COVID happened and all the powers that be were kind of pushing to get the TV show out because nothing else was happening. The world was shut down. So we were able to film it, but it was filmed, you know, pandemic style via Zoom format. We did not get to do the auction format, which I think would have really made a difference on if the show was going to be picked up right away or not. So right now, it's I guess they're probably maybe still shopping the show out to different networks. I don't know. I'm just talent. So I would I would be the last to know. I literally got a phone call and said, we're starting filming next week. So, you know, like to me, nothing was happening until I got that phone call. But there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scene that I'm not privy to. My son actually works in L.A. and he makes movie trailers, commercials, and I think there's just so much that goes on and it takes so much longer than everyone thinks. It really does. So many people involved that people who I've never even met, but it takes a whole village to make a little, tiny little TV show. So many. Now, did you answer an audition or did you just get a call? It was, again, one of those universe things. I have no idea. We still, to this day, have no idea. And the craziest part is, if you look up my auction house, my name does not pop up. I am the behind-the-scenes lady. I write people's checks. I do all the paperwork. I make sure the place doesn't burn down. My husband is the face of our auction house. He's the auctioneer. So they call my husband's number, but they asked for me. So my husband gives me the phone and they start telling me, you know, we have this TV show we're thinking about doing, blah, 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 blah. And my personality is to think that everybody is a scam. Everybody who's trying to get calling me wants something from me. So I was very cold to them. And I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Just email me, email me the information. And they did. And it, they just kept contacting me. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever, pushing them off. And but it just kept progressing. So they're like, okay, now we want to interview you on a Zoom for like a Skype call. And we want you to interview with the producers or something like that. 
I kept telling them, I'm like, you don't want me. You want my husband. He's the funny guy. He's handsome. And so they're like, no, we really want you. And I'm like, I don't understand why, though. I honestly tried to sabotage my interview. What? Yes. She was like, so tell me about you. And the first thing I said was, well, first off, I hate everybody. And my husband's off screen. He just hits his head like, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, well, it's true. I am not a people person. And she just started laughing. And then she's like, okay, well, let's pretend that you're evaluating something. So tell me like what this is worth. And I'm like, well, we decided that this would be worth. And she's like, nope, stop saying we say I. I'm like, Okay, so we think this, she's like, stop saying, and we did that so many times. And so they sent my video to the big wigs and the big wigs were like, yes, we want her, but we also want a whole bunch of other people. So they were trying to narrow it down, right? So then I got through, I was like top, I don't know what, seven, whatever. So then I had to do this last thing called a chem test with Jeff Foxworthy. Basically, it's a chemistry test to see if me and Jeff vibe. And we did. I have no idea how I got the part. Like, it was crazy. That is amazing. I think I told you that my son was also on Holy Moly. Yes, I love that story. (laughs) And that was kind of crazy, too. His friend was in casting and asked him to come. And I guess Drew had once made a joke about, let's go play miniature golf. And so when she was looking for people to come to audition, she's like, you have to come to audition you know I want to make sure enough people come so he came you know he played golf the guy was kind of like yeah I've seen enough (laughs) and you know he kind of forgot about it but before he left he filled out the form and he talked to the camera and he is a very very funny guy and they just kind of kept calling him and he just you know a couple months went by and he finally said mom you know they're still calling me (laughs) and then one night you know or one day he Got a message saying, you know, you're on Holy Moly. Oh, my gosh. Now, I think it was because he was funny and he looked like Ed Sheeran. So, yes, if you watch Holy Moly, he's that guy. I've seen it. And he does look like Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Such the cutie. It's funny because I hadn't realized that. But he said, you know, he lives in L.A. that he does get that a lot. (laughs) But in your case, you didn't audition or anything. They just found you on the Internet somehow. Still to this day, we have no idea how they found me. We can't see this, right? It's still in development. It hasn't been picked up. No, no, no. It aired last year like July or August. So it's been, it's a year anniversary now. It's been out. So I think I think they're still in reruns. Now, what is the craziest thing or the most interesting thing that you evaluated? On the TV show? Or in your real auction, either one. Okay, this is going to sound weird. We had an entire auction of teeth, of human teeth. I don't know. Should I even talk about this? Oh my gosh. Um, We are legally allowed <laughs> to auction off items if it was part of a medical situation. And this was a, a dentist who had retired and he gave us all of his fake teeth, human teeth, 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 lots of teeth. And you know what's crazier even still? No, I really don't. A huge auction value. People make a lot of jewelry out of human teeth. Isn't that crazy? Yes, it is. Okay, I'll just answer for you. (laughs) It is a little crazy. And, you know, if you don't mind me saying so, it's somewhat creepy. Super creepy. I'm thinking this might have to be moved to our Halloween issue at this point. (laughs) Super creepy. And I don't want to be known as the auction house that sells teeth. I can't believe I told you this story. (laughs) Okay, listeners, we're going to talk about something that's not super gross. Yeah, this conversation (laughs) took a dark turn. (laughs) 
<laughs> it really did. I'm going to have to see if there's a full moon. Okay, anything else that's a little more funny and a little less creepy that you auctioned off? Okay, so recently, it was two, maybe two years ago now, a family used to run like a hobby store, like cards and stuff like that. And unfortunately, the owner had passed away and they had put everything in storage. The family now wanted to move to Arkansas. So they opened up their storage unit and they're like, for sale. And this guy came over and he's like, um, I want to buy everything, but I can only offer like $1,000 because I don't really know what's in here. I don't really know what stuff is worth. And they're like, we can't give you this for $1,000. And he's like, call Blue Toad. They can help you out. And that's what we did. We ended up pulling out about a quarter of a table, a quarter of like a bank, uh, eight foot table worth of Pokemon cards still sealed in its boxes. So that quarter of a table, what is that like two feet, three feet sold for $26,000. And we had bids from all over the world, Australia and England. Yeah, $26,000 is what the little tiny two foot section of Pokemon cards sold for. Okay, that's just nuts. That's crazy. What I always tell people is like, once you get your finger on the pulse of what's hot, it changes. It's constantly a a changing market. Can you tell us what the most valuable miniature you've ever sold is? Yes, I bought it. Well, that really surprises me, Gina. Yeah, well, I've never seen anything like this before. And when it came to our auction house, I'm like, I must have it. And I told my husband, I'm like, I'm bidding until I win it. It's this tiny little box, like a flatware box. And you open it up and it's got tiny little silverware in it. And the silverware is actually made of sterling silver. Wow. I love it so much. I never even shared it on Instagram or anything. It's just, it's my little, my little piece of yay. There are little pieces that I just look at them and I feel better. I think that's what miniatures do for me. I'll look at them and I just feel happier for no other reason than that I'm looking at these tiny perfect things. Yep, exactly. Because I have real silverware in a little box like that. So I know exactly what you mean. Little velvet line box where the little the spoons just snuggle in just right. Ugh. I always refer to miniatures as squee items. Squee! It's true (laughs) yes you're so cute so what is next i just came to the realization that this house will never be done this just came to me as an epiphany just a couple days ago this house is too much of a a beast for me to tackle you know when you take on a house that has already been put together it's so much harder to fix it than to build your own house from scratch I decided that I'm going to get rid of this house. It was a huge house. It was given to me from a a client. He bought it at our auction for $25 and just turned around to me and said, happy birthday and just handed it to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this house is amazing. How big is it? It's probably four feet tall by maybe that feet wide, like three and a half, four feet wide. It's a good sized house. It's a monster. It's a monster. And it was like yellow, yellow trim, yellow siding, yellow, yellow. I have a yellow and rust one I need to redo. And, you know, painting all the siding is fine, but now I can't get into the crevices to get the trim perfect. I will either get white on the gray or gray on the white, you know. And so I said, this is just too much of a monster for me that I'm going to get rid of it. And I'm just going to work out of room boxes from now on because it doesn't have a ceiling. The light is better taking pictures. And I don't know. I just I don't deserve this house. I feel sure you do, but it is true that lately, I mean, I have some beautiful houses, but it is true the ones that are closer to room boxes, you know, they're just so much easier to photograph. I can really see the appeal. 
Yeah. So I do have one dollhouse that I have from a customer. I don't know if they're even a customer. They messaged American Miniaturist magazine and said, hey, we have this dollhouse that we don't want. Can you help us find someone to take it? And I'm like, well, that's not really my job, but I am here to help, you know? And they're like, we're located near Chicago. And I'm like, whoa, I'm located near Chicago. I said to them, I said, you know what? If you can't find anybody, I will be happy to give this dollhouse a home. They said, come take it. So me and my husband drove down like an hour, two hours down there, and they're waiting for us in the garage. And this house is gorgeous. I will keep this house. This house is amazing. And it is all ready for me inside. There's no walls. There's no floors, you know, so I can do whatever I want in this house. So this house I will keep. It is a blank palette just waiting for the Gina Tuck. That is exactly what I said. And it opens, the roof line opens up so you can get into the top. And then it opens like in the middle. I don't know. It like swings open. It's like the most amazing house I've ever seen. So I will work on that. That will be my dollhouse. Other than that, what are we working on? One of Olivia's employees, her name is Kat. She works part-time at the bakery and she also works part-time at a bookstore cafe. It's called The Bluebird. We're working on putting that together because it also has a little stage for live music and stuff. So it'll be a little live venue, coffee house, cafe, bookstore. I love that. Now, one of the things when I started following you is Olivia's face is so real that it's almost startling. I think Kat got a lot of attention. Yeah, it was Kat who got a lot of attention recently. Yeah, uh, with her face. Kat. It was Kat. But you actually do things to the face, like through a photo app to make her look more real? All of my dolls are, are photoshopped just so that I can get their expression a little bit more realistic. Because, I mean, I, I love the way they look naturally. But I think sometimes they just deserve a little bit more magic. (laughs) So what do you use? You use like a makeup app that you can use on a real face, correct? Yeah, I think that's what they were normally designed for is for real people's faces. Kind of like a Snapchat filter kind of thing. But uh, I use them for my dolls. It works out really well. And there's so many of them out there. I just love mixing them all. So I would use one, save it, and then open it up in a different different app. And then you work on it again. So a lot of times the end product has been layered several times through several different apps. They can even change the expression, right? Yeah, they can. They can change their smile. They can. it's, It's amazing what they can do, actually. The one that when Kat got so much attention, I added little tiny freckles under her skin. And it's very, very subtle, but it makes her look so more realistic than any other photo that I've ever done. I just remember it, ju- it jumped out at me. I forgot it was Kat. And I was like... Until you saw that her shoulders were jointed. And you're like, that's not a person, that's a doll. Right. So that must be a lot of work because you don't just use a preset app. You like change their eyes and their lips and everything. Yeah. Probably to post one picture will probably take me on average about 30 minutes to, well, no, probably 45 minutes because I have to stage the picture, take the picture, then edit the picture. So I was going to say, because just staging it takes a little bit of time. It does. But I'm one of those stagers where I will stage it. It'll take a lot of time to stage it. One photo and I'm done. And then I'm off to editing. I have to admit, I take kind of a few and then I look at them, make sure I have the right angle. But wow. Because the front half, the whole staging takes so long. Yeah, You frame it just like, you know, the, when you watch movies and they're, they have their hands up in L's and they're kind of framing it. So you just frame it like that. And then, I'm, and then it's ready for the photo once it's all done, staged. Now, your dolls are 1 one twelfth, is that right? Yep, one twelfth scale, yep. 
Because when I first looked at dolls, you know, I saw these dolls that must have been made in 1950. If I ever have a doll in my house, you know, I want it to be hip and happening. No, you don't have dolls. You just have um, dogs, animals, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe someday. Never say never, right? I know that there's some people who are like, no dolls. I know a lot of times when I post pictures, my friends would sometimes send me messages and they're like, how do you have these realistic dolls that live with you? Aren't you afraid that you will wake up one day and one of them will be sitting on your chest with a little knife? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's a a fear. I love them. I, I think that they bring my scenes to life. But I understand that there's a lot of people who are like, absolutely no dolls will live in my house. Yes. On my program, I've asked people about some of these little hidden prejudices, these little hidden convictions we all have. Mm -hmm. Like some people believe they have to have stairs. Some people take away stairs. I myself don't do bathrooms. Maybe I will someday. I just don't. My little dogs and people don't have to go potty (laughs) in my miniature world. (laughs) And some people feel that way about dolls. Did you always have dolls or did you just sort of progress into them? I mean, I started with food. Food was my thing. Uh, Then I was like, I need a place to showcase my food. So I'm going to build a little room bot for my food. And I'm like, who's going to make these foods? (laughs) A little doll needs to make them. Oh, that's how that came about. Okay. And it sounds like Olivia from Poland is kind of a special little doll. She's my first doll. I did a lot of research on what kind of doll I wanted to have represented in my little tiny small world. And I wanted a realistic looking doll. I mean, you know, the dolls that we grew up with as smaller people were porcelain and they all look the same beehives and Victorian clothing. I fell in love with the posability of this doll. When I found her on Etsy, she was just sitting a little cross-legged and, and I'm just like, this is amazing. All these joints and stuff. So I saved up because they're not cheap little dolls. I saved up and I I purchased this doll and I love this artist who creates them because you get to pick the skin tone, the hair, you know, everything you get to customize. And, And although it takes a long time, it's so worth it because, you know, she's a mom with kids and she it's not her full time job. But she does such a great job. And so it took several months and she arrived and I love her so much. So she's my first doll and she's the star of my Instagram. (laughs) She is. And do you do her hair and make her clothes or? I do. I do her hair. I make her clothes. When I'm lazy, I just throw it up in a little bun. But there's been some times where I have to do, it's called a curly girl method, where I have to deep condition her hair because it's made from, I think, like an alpaca fur. I deep condition it and I let it dry and all the curls come out. And I do that about once every three months just to keep it all fresh. I feel like she may have gotten more grooming than I did during lockdown. Than we all did, really. Yeah, she's very pampered. And I make her clothes, even though I'm terrible at making clothes. There's a lot of really great clothes artists out there, and I'm not one of them. She always looks really cute. She's got like three outfits, so I'm not really good at that. I guess I hadn't noticed that. There's always so much going on. I hadn't noticed she didn't have a lot of clothes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that's so interesting. So COVID has been kind of an adventure for you. It really has. And, you know, I don't know what's next. I don't know, you know, if I get busy, if um, I will still have enough time to dedicate to my miniatures, but just take it one day at a time and, you know, see what, what else comes. I go to bed each night. This is my night routine. Close my eyes and I think about what do I want to make tomorrow? I want to make blueberry pie. Do I make sweet potato pie? Whatever. And then that sets the tone for my morning when I wake up and I'm like, okay, last night I dreamt of making what am I making right now? Well, I think I, I needed to paint. So I did two paintings so far. But 
each night I set some intention of what kind of what I want to create the next day. Oh, that's really lovely. That's a wonderful idea. Keeps me on track. Yeah. And then you wake up and you've accomplished something. You check a little something off your list. You feel mm-hmm. good about yourself. Yeah. I'm a Virgo. So I'm a very, I'm very much a list person. I love to make lists, love to check them off. The best thing about lists is checking them off. Yep. Well, Gina, you have had the most interesting jobs, I think, of anyone I ever met. Oh, well, you know, it's just the day in the life of a diva, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So true. I can't wait to see what you get up to in the next year or two. Every time you get a new job, you're going to have to come back and tell us what it is. Okay. (laughs) Deal. Deal. (laughs) You never know. And the key is just to open up your heart and let the universe bring you gifts. I think that's a great message. And I can't think of a better note to close on than that, because listeners, we're hoping we're hoping something great happens to you pretty soon. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. Oh, it was so much fun. And I've been really looking forward to it. I love the little saga of the bakery. I love everything you do. And this has just been delightful. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I could talk to Gina for hours. I hope you'll check out her Instagram at calico underscore garden and mine at dollhouse underscore flair. My next episode is on October 19th and I interview Lauren Dodge of Southern Gothic Dollhouse. Her miniature mansion is authentically spooky and is sure to give you thrills and chills as we approach the Halloween season. See you next time on Mad About Miniatures. And in the meantime, remember, there are no rules in your dollhouse except those you create for yourself.